Hello, thank you for downloading this podcast of the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. We hope you enjoy listening to this. For more information about our programs, please visit www.nyuad.nyu.edu slash institute. So I would like to, first of all, take the chance to, of course, introduce our uh, panelists. I hope if we have Francisco online. Is he online? Yeah, he is. is it? <laughs> Perfect. Hey. <laughs> there Hello. We go. Hello, everybody. Can you hear us? Perfect, perfect. Okay, so I would like to, first of all, of course, take the pleasure to introduce our panelists, uh, starting with Khawla, uh, the project director on the 50U book. Uh, she plays a central role in the day-to-day -day running of cultural program, which celebrates Emirati history and heritage through contemporary culture. Prior to working at YBK Group, of course, Khawla gained a bachelor's degree in communication and media studies from Zaid University before earning her master's uh, in science and diplomacy, communication and information management. Uh, moving to Anna, uh, she's the co-editor of the 50U book. She's an art writer, cultural journalist, and also an independent curator. Uh, she moved to the UAE in 2008 from London, where she worked from uh, worked uh, on UK newspapers and magazines. She contributed notably to the autobiography "Don't Look Down" as a ghostwriter, exhibition uh, catalog Abdul Qadir Reyes as an editor, uh, Perception El Seed, a book charting the artist's ambitious artistic project in Cairo, and also the Art of the Emirates, a publication charting the most influential people in the UAE contemporary seen as a co-author. Uh, Francisco, who's online with us today, is an architectural researcher and an editor with a past in uh, advertising and engineering. For years, he's been intrigued by the intersection of architecture, communication, and new technologies, developing collaborative projects that try to question the uh, expected formats. So I think I would like to take, first of all, the, the chance to actually go about the book itself. And, and of course, through the, the, the invitation that I had from NYU Abu Dhabi, I think I had the privilege to go through the book uh, uh, in detail and, and, and really look at the narratives and the stories of people, uh, people that are uh, intrigued people that have uh, gone through the last 50 years of the UAE and the people who are going to be the future of uh, of the UAE in the next 50 years. So maybe starting with the first question to you, Khawla. Um, I think for us, it's it's very interesting to understand how really the book came about. How did you think about the concept? Uh, I know maybe a little bit more than the people who are here mm -hmm. right now uh, of how this really book was cooked on a, uh, was brought up or cooked in a kitchen, uh, yeah. I would say. So I think maybe taking the chance, first of all, Khawla, to ask you, how did the book come into being? Um, um, what's the concept behind it? How does it really fall into uh, the other publications that uh, talk about the history about the UAE and its heritage and its culture and the art scene and all the other sectors that really uh, are, are seen through the, the interviews in the book? And really, why did we call it 50U? Um, to start off, thank you for having me. And it's a pleasure to be here with all of you. Um, the book actually is uh, started off with my father uh, to celebrate the 50th year of uh, our nation. Uh, he thought of why not document and have something very tangible and timeless other than the book. So he came up with an idea to have a book. And then um, they traveled, him and my sister Rada, to Amsterdam for, for another purpose actually. And while they were there, uh, they got introduced 
to Irma Boom. Uh, my sister got so excited because she studied in Zayed University and she's a graphic designer and she knows about Irma Boom. So coincidentally and smoothly, they happened to meet Irma Boom and discussed with her on creating a book and designing a book for the celebration. It wasn't really an easy, uh, easy thing to convince Irma Boom knowing that she's the queen of books. So my sister wanted to, so actually my, it's all my sister's ideas. She came up and said, why not talk about the people? We all know the nation, we all know the, the achievements and the highlights that this country is providing and uh, showcasing and highlighting around the world. But little do we know about its people and yeah. the people behind it. So that's the first step to the journey. And they came back to Dubai, they announced this project to me, and I was so nervous because I felt like it was a very big responsibility. And uh, we started. And it started off, um, firstly, to have a team. So, okay, we have the idea of talking about people. And my father contacted Ahmed and Rashid bin Shabib, and as well as Anna, part of the editorial team and the content. And it was really a contribution and of a teamwork that made this book what it is today. And to answer your question of what makes this book different or unique, it's the content and the variation in the book uh, tells a variety of stories and highlights uh, in, uh, photo essays, as uh, they mentioned and His Excellency Barak mentioned earlier, uh, the, the variation of topics we have in the book. Um, for content, I'll leave it with Anna. She did most of the interviews um, and we faced a big challenge, which is doing all of this during COVID mm. and over Zoom, <laughs> like right now. Um, but we, that's an accomplishment and being here is one of a success. And we're now heading, not only talking about the 50 years past, but also looking forward. Thank you. Um, I think for me, what was very interesting also when you mentioned the story to me earlier is to see really the, the youth, the young generation interested in history and interested in, in meeting people and documenting their, their kind of story and their, uh, their, their perspective on history and, and how they dealt with it and how they went through. So I think this is something I usually, when I, when I read books like that, you find books that are like, you know, you have historians or architects who are interested in, in something like that and I think I was I was really happy to see uh, people like you who were who are the instigator to to this so uh, I would of course hats off to you guys uh, I think maybe Anna and then Francisco also uh, in terms of your um, you jumping onto this project and and getting involved how was your experience at the beginning uh, on this project and then maybe we can go to Francisco Go ahead. Um, yeah, thank you again for having us. Uh, it's really interesting to talk about this project, how it came about and the journey it's taken since then. I mean, I was brought in, as Khaula mentioned, um, as part of the editorial team to, to conduct the interviews, but also conceptualize, you know, who would go in. And I think it was a really important um, period because we have, we had quite a large team, you know, Francesco and the team in the Netherlands also us here in the UAE and we, you know, how to pick 50. It's not even, it's not just 50 people actually, it's about 35 people and the rest of the portraits are statistical yeah. portraits or photo essays as we've mentioned. So um, 
we didn't really want to pick the usual suspects. We wanted this to be a slice of life from ministers through to, uh, you know, farmers and people from all walks of life, which is also a really tricky thing to do. So um, my initial my initial in sort of um, d introduction to the project was to see who I would want. And then mm. we had a long, much longer list, of course, and we whittled it down and we did that over quite a few... That was quite a big part of the project at the beginning. And, of course, then we had to... We actually had to you know, interview the people and bring them, everyone together and make sure it worked as a balance... And the team in the Netherlands were really helpful with that, actually, because um, something I always say about this book, it's book f within, made within the UAE, and it's a slice of life, if you like, at this point of time in the country's history. But it was really important to have the external um, uh, influence or opinion, because we know the story of the stories of the UAE or some of yeah. them but we also want to know what other people think or how they what they would be interested to know and that's not always what you might expect so it was a really it was important to have that sort of dynamic yeah. thank you thank you francisco would you like to give, go on it of how you were brought onto this project and how has your how has your experience been uh, on this book uh, while working on it um for me it's been uh First of all, yes, it's it's an honor, or even just uh, to 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 be virtually with you all, and it was a fantastic experience. It was um, an incredibly enriching experience, I think, uh, given the fact that I had never been uh, to the UAE before um, before uh, embarking on these actually on this journey as a managing editor of. Uh, of the whole uh, venture. And it was absolutely fascinating because I understood um, that the perception um, that the UAE, uh, let's say, brings uh, in the mind of many people globally um, is, is only one part. Uh, doing interviews, editing, getting to know people, even shaking hands, when uh, in the end uh, um, I came to shoot the, the video that you've seen before, I realized that actually there is so much more, but not only so much more, I would say, um, especially given the expectations. Uh, for instance, it, it, while, while we were doing the video, I remember that um, Yasser um, asked me after the book was published, um, he asked me like, oh, do you know anybody with a, with a, you, you had a, an, a, an advertising background. Do you think we can promote this book with a video? And I don't know if you've ever seen an advertise a commercial for a book. And me personally, I haven't. Because it's very hard actually to decide, do we go for the content? Do we go for the look of the book? How can we do it? So it was... Also, that would have been an incredibly hard and difficult challenge. But I remember that what I answered him was, look, doing this book, I realized that we can, uh, that there are people doing uh, organic farming in the middle of the desert successfully, uh, Khalid al-Shamsi, who is part of the book. So I was like, Yasser, don't worry, I think we can do that. 
thank you so much. And I think one thing that really has come out of COVID, I think, uh, as much as it was a challenge for a lot of people, I think it was um, uh, a moment for creativity, for alternative ways of working. And I think that's what you really see, because I remember when we, ha we were having this discussion on the side and you were mentioning, for example, how some interviews were done on Zoom, for example, and usually interviews are much more personal. You sit, you know, for hours and you would discuss um, the things around it. And I think it was very interesting to hear the team, how they were working on Zoom to, you know, actually come up with, you know, the, the final content of the book. Um, one thing that I, I really liked when I looked at the book, of course, immediately when you opened the book, and I should have bought the book on the stage, but once you opened the book, the first thing you see are the those 50 people on the book, you know, so it's very personal, very, very people centric, I would say in terms of the book. But I think what was even more interesting is you turn the page and then you see uh, the, an image of Sheikh uh, Hamdan Barashid. And I think that was really emotional for me. Uh, and, and I really wanted to, you know, maybe put the question to you again, Khawla. Uh, how, do, how do you see that this book is uh, partly representing the legacy of Sheikh Hamdan, in a sense, and how it really conveys the story? Uh, I think that was really touching uh, for me as a reader, I would say. Um, this is something uh, I would let my father answer usually, but if you don't mind. Uh, this book actually, because it's a it's a special book and it's a first time, and uh, my father wanted to put his mark and contribute to this country, um, and it and it uh, happens to be during that time when he passed away, which is Allah which it, it touched his heart, and he and he and he couldn't have he wanted his blessing in some kind of way, and this is by by doing something that will keep it for the rest of it, like a tangible and timeless, uh, he wanted to dedicate it to him from how special Sheikh Hamdan was to my father. Thank you. Um, maybe a question to Anna. I think uh, one thing that was very interesting when I opened the book, it was like, why was I into this book? Like, I, I really wanted to be in that book, you know, uh, to again, to narrate the story that uh, that I have about the UAE and uh, the place I grew up and, and how that has changed. And, uh, and I think for me, that was one question to understand further the process of selecting the right people. Uh, and of course, for me, it was very interesting because it really felt that there was that balance of the people who really talk about uh, the past and its heritage and the culture, but also the people who are going to shape uh, our culture in the next 50 years. So I think maybe a question to you, Anna, how did the list come about and, and how did you eventually make that selection? Because I know it's a very difficult uh, um, decision to make and, and who to keep in and who to keep out and, 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 and really, you know, think about the book in, in terms of its collective uh, content. So please go ahead. Yeah, uh, sure. I'll try to to shed some light. I mean, it, as you said, really anyone, most human beings have a story which is compelling and interesting if you spend the time to talk to them. So this could have been, this could have been 500 you or 5,000 you. Obviously, we had to make some selections and it was a process. It definitely wasn't a single day or a single person leading this. We initially came up with the idea to um, look at sec segments, you know, subjects art, science, business, um, I don't know, food. And that is, was loosely how we sort of put people into buckets, if you like, at the beginning. And actually the book was going to be divided into these kinds of sections initially, but then as the, as the um, emphasis on stories became 
really important. Of course, we still wanted to have that breadth of people from across industries and age groups. That was also really important. You know, I always say this, but I love the fact that Lamia, the 10-year-old, Yasser's 10-year-old daughter, is the last one of the book. And, you know, also that it began with a dedication to Sheikh Hamdan, who passed away. So there, there is this sort of unity to the way the book came together. I, I wouldn't say it was organic, because it wasn't. It was very, you know, it was structured and we had to put a lot of thought into it. But it, what it really was, was collaborative. So, you know, we we had this list, we had these buckets, we put everyone in. There were obviously too many people. How do we make the selection now? Okay, we need to look at um, gender and age and um, stories, but we also need to understand, as I mentioned before, what do people, you know, what do the, um, the team in the Netherlands think? What, you know, we, we wanted to have some people of sort of prestige and, and standing, like people that you might expect to see in a book, but we also wanted to come in with people that you just wouldn't expect or no one had heard of their stories. Um, uh, His Excellency mentioned a Japanese baker. I mean, that the guy who's making Japanese um, baked goods is not someone who you would expect possibly to be in a book like this. And the idea for me, I'm a, as you mentioned, I'm a former journalist and I always love stories. So yes, of course, we want to hear the history through the eyes of people who maybe... Um, like the town planner or the people who are um, you know, working in the municip- municipality to kind of conceptualise the cities back in the day. But also I want to hear about how did that organic farmer actually manage to do that? Or the, the racing driver, for example, you know, people have this idea of stereotypes of women in this country or this region. It's less now. But we, you know, we wanted to also put the, sh- the highlight on the fact that that's not a th- actually a thing you know you can do whatever you want if you're in this country no matter who you are and I think for me personally because I'm I've been here 15 years almost it is like home to me it's not my birthplace clearly but it's given me this country has given me the opportunity to do many many things which I wouldn't have been able to do at home in terms of my career in terms of my social network in terms of like my worldly knowledge basically and I think that's what I personally wanted to see in the book what what this country in its very young state has done is prioritize the people and not you know well of course it the land is is always an important thing but you know what I mean it's a land for people and if you engage in the community here you can basically be engaging with everyone all over the world so that that was my personal answer to that question with a little bit of how it worked out. It was a difficult job to choose the people. And honestly, you know, probably a lot of people could be like, why wasn't that person in the book? We should have put that person in. Well, yeah, maybe we can do, uh, you know, another, another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and I think uh, like going back to the content and like you said, the, the last, um, I would say interview or I won't say even an interview like a, a snapshot of you know Instagram was it Instagram or WhatsApp uh, WhatsApp I think WhatsApp? with Irma so, so yeah. I think everyone needs to read the re- the last story because I think that's the most interesting where you actually read the, the content with snapshots from WhatsApp and I think that is really you know um, it's taking you know uh, content from people and their narration and their story in a different way and I think that is something uh, people should be reading I think maybe Anna just going back to you again in terms of the content like while you were doing those interviews um, tell us a little bit more about the 
the one that you really connected uh, with or you resonated with or you liked the most while doing the interview? Okay, just a disclaimer. I did not do all the interviews in the yeah. book. It was really important for the team to spread that. Mm. Francesco and, and his team did mm. a few. Again, because, just to go back to that, when the person is doing an interview of this nature, when it's very personal, you cannot remove yourself, even though it's not about you, the way the conversation goes is going to change if it's me interviewing the person or Francesco or Ahmed or Rashid or whoever. So we, we did split that quite a lot. Um, my personal favorites, they kind of change. I always talk about this. Um, I always talk about Rashid. Remind me of his surname. Francesco, I always forget it. No. Rashid Al-Masrui. Al-Masrui? Sorry. Yeah. No. He's a poet. Rashid Alamimi. Sorry, guys. Um, I should have definitely researched that before. But this guy sticks in my head so much. And I think it's because I felt myself in the interview. He's not somebody that... It, um, he's a poet, basically. He's a liter liter a literary person and he was put in touch with us through we were looking for some people who, again who had interesting stories but didn't necessarily have any uh, you know particular company or particular reason for us to choose them other than their story and I didn't have much to research on before I interviewed him because we there wasn't much known about him but when I started to talk to him he was just such an interesting guy he's his story started in a boarding school at no, not a board, a school in Dubai, which is modeled on the English boarding school system, which is probably why I connected to him, because he studied Victorian literature, which is what I studied. And he um, he was like quoting Shakespeare at me and stuff like that, which, you know, okay, that might be maybe why I connected with him, because I felt some of my story in his. But then he also just really was so eloquent and talking about, um, you know, his his experience of reading, which was obviously quite, str not strange for him, but like, he doesn't come from England, so reading about Victorian England for him was completely different from reading than the experience I might have had. And then we went on to talk about religion and poetry and, um, you know, the, the Sibha and the, the, diff the, the um, similarities between the Sibha and the rosary for the Catholic religion and just many things I hadn't even thought about. Whilst it wasn't particularly a conversation about um, religion or faith, it was just super interesting, all the different pathways we went on. And he still sticks with me as just somebody who, again, I find this country is such a place where cultures, religions, people, stories collide. And in each and every one of you, you, you can find bits of that. Especially if you, you know, if you're born and grown up here in a in a, in a really multicultural place, which is just different to the way I was brought up. So I really liked his story. He was one of my favorites. Thank you. What about you, Khawla? My favorite story in the book is Christo and John Claude, the artist. Um, they did the Masaba, Mastaba, which was conceived back in 1977. So that's that that itself, which is an international artist uh, conceiving an idea of a sculpture and an artwork back in 1977. And what's 
really, really made me so interested in reading more about him is the fact that where he chose to do his artwork in the country. Um, if you would like to guess, it's not Dubai and it's not Abu Dhabi Central. It's in Liwa. So to me, thinking of that artist in, in, in the United Arab Emirates uh, conceiving and wanting to do an art sculpture in Liwa when he passed away and his work is still in progress and that's to leading the future and it's a vision for the future. So what I liked about the story is exactly what our country is. It's something we hold to our past and we look forward to our future. It's like something Anna always tells me, a straddle, a straddle between two. It's like mm -hmm. one foot there, one foot there, you know, in the future. And that's something what the You book is all about. And um, to me, that was something very interesting. And there, this is not the only story, to be honest. There are so many other stories I loved about the book, but this just caught my attention. So there was an art scene in the 70s. Mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> I think we need to record yeah. that somehow. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, what about you, Francesco? Uh, do you have a particular story that you were intrigued or you were fascinated by? Uh, especially that you, you uh, I know you mentioned at the beginning, uh, how you, you didn't really know the UAE and, and you really came to know about it through the book and the interview. So please, maybe you can share some of your experiences with the content of the book. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. I think actually I, I ran uh, also several interviews myself. And as, um, as Anna was saying, the beauty of running an interview is that the personality as well of uh, the person running the interview emerges. So, and that allows, um, according to whatever is said, to take different directions, according to the shared interest between the two speakers. It's always part of a larger conversation. And for instance, for me, uh, I mentioned earlier uh, Khalid, Khalid Al Shamsi, because I come, for instance, um, from a family of farmers um, in the south of Italy. So seeing somebody that could do organic farming um, in in a remote part of the desert um, successfully, uh, and so inspirationally for me was absolutely fantastic. Or bonding uh, with uh, Khalifa Al Kama over reflections about technology and religion. Um, what's that, a conversation that started and it was supposed to be about technology ended up actually with the two of us reflecting uh, over uh, the relation between the two. Or, um, of course, Haza, Haza al-Mansuri. You all know him as the first uh, Emirati astronaut. But the conversation between the two of us was incredibly intimate because he was telling me all his childhood stories as a kid not coming, as, as Haula said, not coming from where you would expect, not from the main cities. He was saying that he could see jets uh, flying over his house in the Liwa. And, he was, and that got him fantasizing about the presence of these, the presence of these strange things that he was understanding as the sky. And, and fascinatingly imagining himself there. So I think actually plenty, and I could go on forever, just because I'm Italian and I talk too much. 
uh, I, I promised myself that I'm not going to be selecting my own or it would be the same. I won't stop, you know, defining which one I really enjoyed reading as an audience. Um, maybe one thing also that was very interesting about the book is how some of the interviews are really connected through a narrative around an object or a story around an object or maybe a discussion that really started with... Uh, with focusing on that one object and how the discussion really evolved. Because I think what's also very interesting, what we are hearing here is that uh, usually you go into an interview, you have a set of questions, you want to you know, ask them and record and get back. And, and I think what's very organic when it comes to interviews is that you can you know, navigate around topics and then you eventually, as an interviewer, you need to be smart enough to see how the discussion is going and where is it going and what kind of questions you would you know, eventually ask. And I think uh, that's where you pick up inter interesting stories uh, along the way. And I think things change and progress even as an interviewee. So maybe the, the one thing that I really, as I said, you know, was very interesting is that uh, that uh, content that was revolving around that one object so uh, maybe just even anyone shedding light on how that was brought into you know uh, discussion and of how it really connected or had uh, a feel to to you know connect or connect these different stories around one object maybe Khawla if you would like to take that um, actually it's to, it's it's to do with the designer herself Irma Boom so part of her design and part of her her way is to have um, something different and maybe Francesco can add as well as part of uh, constructing the um, questions not on um, like kind of breaking the ice I remember French Francesco was saying and uh, with regards to questions maybe Anna uh, it's it kind of like, um, how, how was it? It was a tool. We needed a tool. Where to start if you're asking people their whole life story or to talk about the memories of, you know, the last 50 years. You know, so it was a really, it was a brilliant idea. I'm not sure whose idea it was. Was it Irma's yeah. idea? Because it just gives you that um, opening uh, uh, opening subject. And yeah. usually they bring something which already you can get an idea from what's important for them yeah. would you say francesco yes and throughout the process we understood that actually the object um we in the beginning we intended it really materially so we even thought oh one day we could showcase them we could exhibit them but in the end we realized that the beauty was instead really the relational value between the story of the person and the object. The object could have become, uh, in, in many cases, became also something purely symbolic. So uh, that's why also the representation of the object in the book is broken into several different color layers because it is almost as a memory. Is basically really wanting to represent. Uh, Irma found this way to really represent um, the the relational value of memory, and at the same time, of course, the blurred edges of uh, of um, any of our uh, reminiscing thoughts. 
Thank you. Um, I think one of the little surprises we have today is that we actually asked the panelists to uh, to bring with them uh, an object similar to, you know, the interviews, uh, and to share their story about uh, that object and and how it's how it's really significant to them, uh, whether it's part of their own culture, history, or their their living in the UAE, uh, or maybe part of you know uh, the the process in making the book itself. So maybe we'll start with you, Khawla, the object that you would like to share. The object is uh, something very special to me. It's to do with my grandma, and it's very cultural and rooted uh, in our everyday life that I feel like every Emirati woman can relate to it, which is a kajuja. Kajuja basically is the process of creating handcraft telly, uh, which is then put on uh, the Emirati clothes. And this, um, this process, actually, it's a story. It's when my grandma sits at home in the living room. You don't, you don't just see her sitting like that. She'd have her kajuja right in front of her doing it. And at some point, uh, she wanted us all, um, her grandchildren, to engage and learn this process. And we did. And she taught us. And to me, the kajuja is very special because it holds a cultural element and touch which is in my personality, which I see myself through it. And it's very colorful because it gives me that hope and that light and that um, you can create whatever you want in this country. Um, and it's kind of, you know, united and it's always ongoing. You can't stop yeah. unless you want to cut it. That's when you stop. But then otherwise you just continue. So that's my favorite thing. Um, I think this is something similar in our house as well. Like, you know, my grandmother would use it and I would eventually come on and spoil it. <laughs> so I always stayed away from it. But I think it was a common practice that you would see in a lot of Emirati families, you know, doing that at home. Uh, what about you, Anna? Okay, so I brought with me an artwork by Mohammed Ahmed Ibrahim. I, the, my story in the UAE is kind of intertwined with the, I won't say with the, so with the sort of modern growth of the contemporary art scene here in 2008 when I moved here everything was kind of just beginning in terms of Art Dubai, Abu Dhabi art I was working at a newspaper in the National writing about the arts and culture scene I won't tell you my whole life story but I, I specialised then in visual art and for the last 10 years I've been working with artists and I absolutely love I'm a writer so words are my passion words are my thing words are my art words are my creativity and I absolutely love working with artists who are clearly visual people and don't always have the ability to translate their ideas into words so mm. I really enjoy that process of talking to artists learning about artists Mohammed Ahmed Ibrahim is one of the UAE's foremost artist he's representing the UAE at the moment in Venice he's an absolutely lovely guy and um, he I've visited his, his studio many times in Khorfa Khan and I, I bought this artwork actually at an art fair I'm not sure when definitely a few years ago and it's just one of my most prized possessions because it was before he became really well known and it's just like it's a drawing it's not a, it's not a painting it's a drawing and he has this way these symbols are completely abstract yeah. he describes them actually as you know when you close your eyes and there's like weird shapes between the eyeball and the eyelid 
he tries to 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 make these shapes and everything he does is it's just lines and circles so if you ask him what does it mean he's like well it's a shape you can see it here there's a circle there's a line they're everywhere around you there's no nef meaning but then more kind of um almost instinctual and you relate to them and i've spoken to him a lot about his work so I, this is my piece for me it reflects my career my journey in the uae this particular person who i think is a very special person and you know it's, a, it's something that i will always have no matter where i go um, I think as an artist, Mohammed Ahmed Ibrahim has grown so much. And, and, and as you said, like he's currently at uh, the Venice Biennale, which I think is, is, is the platform where you present, you know, your artists. And I think he, he really, um, uh, encapsulates the, the, the culture, the history, the environment of the UAE and with all his new works that are very much rooted in the place that he was born and, and where he lived. And, and they're very fascinating stories, to be honest, about this artist. And I think he's a lovely person. He's like, he's like a teddy bear, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. He, he's also in the book. Yes, he's in yeah. the book. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I forgot yeah. to mention that. And also, can I add, the, the object he chose was very interesting because he chose a stone mm -hmm. as yeah. his object. Yeah. And yeah. the stone is from uh, the place where he is, which is yeah. Khorfakan. And I don't want to say and tell you more about his story, but you have to read it in the book. Okay. It's so interesting how how he thinks and how, who he is as a person, not only his bio, but him as a person and um, his visions and how he became who he is. Um, right now yeah yeah I think it's very interesting like you said you know some people express themselves differently and some people do it by writing and some people do it by drawing um, and I think him speci specifically he's uh, w with me having the chance to visit his studio every now and then he's like it's him and his cats and it's him and his cats <laughs> yeah. who are part of the artwork so I think one of the things that was very interesting in, in Venice Biennale when you look at the artwork which is I would say the biggest artwork that he has produced uh, till date uh, is like you go and you see parts of the, the cat scratching <laughs> the artwork because he's making it out of you know earth materials so so you see part of his his uh, his environment and, and and the way he lives and how he interacts with you know his, his cats who are <laughs> lovely i would say so francisco what about you like uh, tell us more about the object that you brought uh, today with you if you can share that i would say Absolutely. virtually and uh, <laughs> virtually I was, and that's the thing, because of course, when we were talking uh, a few days ago, I was, I couldn't be with you there uh, in Abu Dhabi because I, I, as you can see, I was, I had to travel. So I was thinking actually, what can I bring? And, and this was lingering in my head for two days. What can I bring? What, what is actually, so I started reflecting on the whole entire journey of making this book. And for me, it was really related to two things. Um, is, and especially overcoming and, and breaking expectations. Um, so I, for me, the most intimate uh, object, I would say, also as many objects kind of dissolved into the memory, was actually a memory. And this is what I, what I brought with me. And every time that I think about it, I get goosebumps. It was the moment when we were shooting uh, the video during, in, during the night. Um, I think we were in the middle of Al-Qudra and we were in pitch black uh, environment because we had to capture stars. 
And at the same time, the beauty of it was the whole entire um, sensorial world around me, uh, because I've always expected, I had never been to any desert, and I've always expected it to be silent. And it wasn't. Uh, there was an incredible sound uh, surrounding me. Uh, I've always expected it to be dark, and it wasn't, because I could see the, the, the light of the moon was casting a shadow over my body. Um, these, these sensations really, to me, are, are incredibly personal and intimate of the whole journey of this book. Having an expectation, and once you're there, realizing there is so much more. I uh, love it, Francisco, the memory. I think it's, it's beautiful. Um, maybe another question to you, and I think maybe this is the second last question, then I would, of course, give it up to the audience to ask uh, more questions to our panelists. Um, the book itself uh, and the way it was designed and the, the concept behind putting the book, the way it looks from the outside, and, and everyone says, like, you know, you, 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 get, you sometimes judge the book by the cover. And, and, and really, for me, uh, I think in particular, when you look at the book um, and, and knowing that it's it's about the people itself and, and looking at the book and, and seeing your own reflection in it, I think is really strong and it really conveys uh, the, the content within the book. So can you tell us a little bit more about the design uh, itself of the book and how, how that really came uh, about the book? Yes, indeed. Um, I was the one of the, of the editorial team, uh, both in Dubai and in the Netherlands. I was the one really bridging constantly uh, between uh, uh, text on one side and the visual design on the other side. So I worked um, very closely with, uh, with Irma on most, I would say, on most of the, I think, thousands of tests that were done. And every time, for me, the beauty was to see her so directly personally involved in, in, in design decisions, in testing them, in running them through us, running them through, um, through the entire editorial team and constantly adjusting and adjusting and reconceptualizing. So it was really fascinating to see how a designer that sometimes we, you know, we, we imagine um, people of a certain stature to only take design decisions and then somebody else going on developing them for them, uh, be it employees. And it, it was fascinating to see her directly involved in taking decisions, directly involved in, in making the effort to make it constantly better. That was absolutely fantastic. And this is really one of the reasons why she is considered the queen of books, I think, because it's not a matter of control, it's a matter of care. Thank you. Um, the last question, uh, and I think a lot of people would have that question in the audience as well, is, is there another 50? you <laughs> and and especially I, I think this is a very interesting question because uh, lately I've been doing a lot of moderation for books and I usually ask that question and they're like not for the next 10 years <laughs> 
So just hearing from you more about like, is there any plan to add um, maybe some of the interviews that you didn't have the chance to do, maybe uh, the next edition, any thoughts about if there would be a next 50 U? Um, after this book launched and we saw that it wasn't only a book that is just going to be in a bookshelf or bookstores, we wanted more out of the book. So the next step for the books is, um, is by using it and how has it been used right now, which is as a cultural, uh, di cultural diplomacy tool, and then it's used as a reference. And now, and now, like how I am, I'm talking about the journey of the book. And for our next, next phase, next step, would be possibly, if you don't mind, Baba, me, uh, me saying this, is um, public art. So we're looking into um, that at the moment. I just want to say one thing about the design, if you don't mind, just to pick up on that. And also what you were saying, like 50, the design is absolutely genius. It's just amazing because it's so simple, but there's elements of the design. 50U is a book about the UAE, you, me, and like everybody, that's the whole point. That's why it was called 50U. So, you know, you could, as I said, you could make many more, but it's almost more than the book. As Haula said, it's taken on a life of its own now. It's It was published. It's amazing. It's really, you know, living its life now for the 50th year. When we turn 51, it will have a date on it. But it it's not the impact. I'm actually really continually like proud to be part of it and also um so i feel like this book has its own personality it's walking around it's doing its tour its people are really fascinated by it and um you know even the reflective cover is it was made so that you can see yourself in the book so i don't know that doesn't answer your question about will there be another one i don't think there will be another one exactly the same but the point is that the impact that it's having is is doing its job it's touching all the people that that it was supposed to touch which is which is everyone uh, maybe a little bit of the experience that we had with the book. Uh, so uh, recently we were at the, the Smithsonian Festival um, and it was one of the big events that we as a ministry organized and it was a, a privilege for us to take uh, 80 creatives from the UAE um, and it was the same like you know we were looking at visual artists sculptures uh, sculptors uh, architects urban planners more uh, you know uh, uh, the traditional craft people who do practice it and I think it was for us a very difficult decision to uh, eventually select those 80 but I think in the last two days when we had the chance to actually um, uh, display the book over there I think it was very interesting because I was telling people of course we came back by then uh, but we got really feedback from the embassy and from the others that the book was well received but I felt that you know it was not only the 80 artists but was also including the 50 people that you guys mentioned in the in the book and I think that was an expansion of of the creativity and the, the legacy and the history of the UAE that we took actually to um, a prominent uh, festival like the Smithsonian Festival so um, I think it was uh, and, and hopefully we can we can do that more and more you know for for people to engage with with the people of the UAE although they're not in the UAE I would say. You've been listening to a download from the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. You'll find more information on our website, www.nyuad.nyu.edu institute.